Sorry, when you said witch lady, I thought of, I thought of, whoa, witch woman. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't know the words to that. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Gloria. And this is Circling Daedalus. I mean Cersei, sorry. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had to throw Cersei. it in. <laughs> yeah. This chapter is all about my man Daedalus. I'm so excited. I know. Well, tell us about <laughs> this chapter, Kelsey. Okay, well, I'm... I'm being dumb because, you know, I'm just being, you know, funny. But Daedalus is amazing and wonderful in this book. And, you know, nothing good can last in the land of Cersei. So, you know, I feel like I went into this chapter like, all right, what's going to happen bad about Daedalus and Cersei's relationship? So I fully prepared myself for something horrible to happen. Um, So with that frame of mind, I began chapter 11. (laughs) (laughs) With that, thus we um, begin. Chapter pessimistic 11. viewpoint of the, the the chapter to come i began to read <laughs> 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 okay so in the morning a daedalus takes cersei over to the minotaur's cage that's in this kind of basement area that they have for the minotaur um he tells cersei that they've decided to call it the minotaur because it hadn't had this name until now um which makes Cersei kind of laugh because she's like, okay, Minos can claim it. And instead of being a cuckold, he shares in my sister's glory. So instead of being this like laughing stock of like, oh, so your wife cheated on you with a bull and then, you know, got this monster. He can actually be kind of like a part of this lore and this like monster, scary monster. He can insert himself, no pun intended, into this story about this monster. So they name it the Minotaur even though Minos had jack shit to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, he made her mad and made her want to cheat, right? So that's how he's connected. There you go. It's all him and Daedalus' fault. Passive Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with it. Yeah, Yeah, she's innocent of this. Passive's hands are clean. Yeah, just a victim here. Oh, Passive. (laughs) Um... So Cersei and Daedalus see the new Minotaur described as if someone had lopped a steer's head and s- sewed it onto a toddler, which is just a real, <laughs> you know, great mental image. I just thought about that for a moment and threw up my as, lunch. As a parent of a toddler, that is horrifying to think yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of um, the king on Shrek. What was his name? Farquaad? Lord Farquaad. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Do you think the Minotaur has the, that fun little haircut that Farquaad has? Oh, I hope so. He's probably got bangs. Like I know, buffaloes have bangs. bangs sometimes. Little tiny bangs. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. So we hear this kind of like description of the Minotaur, but I, I uh, Cersei says, I felt a wave of nausea, J- like just another one of Crete's prisoners, basically is what she says. So she understands that like, yes, this thing is a monster and pretty much destined to you know, live a life of loneliness and darkness and whatever, but he's still a child, you know, a young thing, a, a young and, you know, thing that doesn't know any much, any, any better or have any other past life or, or chance at a life really. And so he's a prisoner, you know, and she kind of recognizes that, you know, at the very least. Um, so Cersei feeds the potion or the draft that she made to the Minotaur and can see the fury, you know, draining from his eyes. And she sticks her arm in the, in the cage and <laughs> Daedalus is like, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and uh, the Minotaur doesn't go for it. And um, so we see that the potion worked. Um, so they're about to separate as they're, you know, kind of finishing with the Minotaur and Daedalus pops the question of, oh, ma'am, what you doing later? He's like, W-Y-D, what you doing? Can I come over? So he invites her to dinner that night. And it's so sweet. It's very nice. They have a great conversation. It's wonderful. (laughs) And uh, we meet Icarus. He's very cute and very sweet. And they have the best relationship ever. And my heart is breaking because you know what happens to Icarus. Everyone knows what happens to Icarus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We hear that Daedalus' wife died in childbirth. And... It was very sad and he's trying to raise, you know, Icarus as like a mother and a father and he's just very kind and there's just really great quotes from this scene and I won't sit here and, you know, swoon and read them all to you because that when we be here all night because 
That's my man, Daedalus. Oh, don't um, open your book. But we know you have them memorized. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna, like, I just can't a picture help of it. And just There's like nobody good in this book. And so like Daedalus is like really kind heart and like genuine personality just sticks out so much. You're right. Yeah. Because everybody's like a fucking first... asshole in this book. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like the first guy and you're just like, holy shit, how yes. could you not fall in love with him? Like Glaucus, you're like Glaucus is oh he's so sweet and then he becomes an asshole. So he's kind of yes. like a tease and but he's you know Daedalus is like through and through the real thing. Mm. Yes. Real deal. There's a moment when, you know, because because Icarus had come out and she she says in the book that he's about four years old or she thinks that he's four. And so you imagine this child, you know, and he comes out and they're all kind of chatting with each other. And at one point um, she's watching Daedalus talking to Icarus and um, she says his face had gone soft as ripe fruit his eyes full and shining. I had never thought of having children, but looking at him for a moment, I could imagine it. As if I peered into a well and far below glimpsed a flash of water. <laughs> it's just so sweet. And like, it's it's a, just a softness that you hadn't seen, not, not even like at all. But Cersei had never experienced this up until now. You know, like this kind of, she had never been able to see this unconditional love that, that uh, Daedalus expresses to to um to her to his son so it was just really nice to watch or to watch to read about and to to see happen you mean Um, seeing a dad be like kind and caring and loving yeah what a concept wow (laughs) seeing a seeing a healthy family relationship um they also talk about what Dalis is going to do when the minotaur is grown um and so he hypothesizes that he's going to build a maze we know what this is going to be called later but we'll hear about that later um, and when Daedalus goes to kiss Icarus goodnight, because he says, oh, Icarus always wants me to kiss him goodnight before I, you know, before he goes to bed. I know it's very sad. We're all oh. frowning in sadness oh right God. now. It's so, <laughs> so sweet sad. And sad. So sad. Oh. <laughs> um, but he says a really interesting qu- uh, quote because Cersei says, he comes back and Cersei says, oh, he's a happy boy. You know, he's a happy child now. You know, basically that you gave him a kiss goodnight. Is he happy? And he says, yeah, but, you know, a golden cage is still a cage. So he he makes the point that, yeah, he's growing up in this palace on on this basically nice island but it's a cage for them because Pasiphae has them basically you know jailed for her own pleasure so a golden cage is still a cage and that just really made me reflect back on Cersei's own upbringing and Pasiphae's own upbringing you know that they were children of the gods basically but they were in this golden prison essentially yeah well and they never she never says it explicitly but like I took from this chapter that Icarus is what Pasiphae is holding over Daedalus. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. she, his one like son. yeah, true love. Yeah. Like the only thing he really cares about. Cause he even says like his wife like was nice or whatever. And he cared about mm-hmm. her, but I think like he I had never like, wanted to marry. He'd never felt like he was worth marrying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, you realize like it kind of like makes you feel sick too, that like she's, keeping this poor guy like in this like golden cage right yeah so he shares with her that um they might go to Egypt if they can escape she asks him you know if you were to escape where would you want to go and he says Egypt um she thinks to herself that she wants to say come to Ayaya but there's nothing for him there and I was like she realizes that like it's not gonna work out (laughs) you know and that's even worse when you're like this person but like you know maybe we live too far apart or maybe there's barriers in our way that I know we're not going to jump over to get to each other and that's just kind of a sad layer to any relationship that I mean I know I have experienced that where you're like this person seems really awesome and you know like I'm just here visiting for the weekend or I'm in a different country and met you on my vacation you know it's not going to work out kind Mm -hmm. of thing and it's just such a sad kind of extra layer on on a already complicated relationship you know right yeah so she walks back to her room and this is after their little their little dinner dinner date and um she's thinking about basically you know her treatment pacifist treatment of her and like everybody else you know her how she treats uh cersei how she treats daedalus how she treats even her husband minos who's not 
perfect by any means, but she certainly treats him like shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she thinks of this quote where she says, do you like my new pet? I give her nothing but blows, yet see how she runs to my whistle. You know, someone who brags about how they beat their dog, but see how it still comes when I call it, you know? And she <laughs> thinks, like, I'm no dog. And so she, like, turns heel and busts into Pacifay's bedroom, and she demands to know, like, tell me now why you brought me here. Why is it that you brought me here? Why me? You know, why not... Um, uh, our brother why not Aetes why not our father like why was it me you know and it evolves really between them into an argument about their past as a whole and like Pacifae's views on how Circe was always like bowing and scraping at Helios and Aetes and like Circe's views on how Pacifae had it so easy and they both have these misconceptions about each other and they both kind of reality check each other to say like my life isn't the way in which you imagine that it was which is just like a classic yeah. like sibling argument right you know mm-hmm. like I'm an only child but I have definitely had arguments with close friends about like you have no idea how it is for me like blah 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 and they're like you have no idea how it is for me blah 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 and it's like you're both just missing the point you know you're not taking a moment to be like let me step into her shoes and and see if I can feel how it is which is not so easy I would think for these two because they've been through quite a lot (laughs) so I'm not sure I want to take a moment and be like I wonder how passive feels because I wouldn't be quite as patient enough to take that moment I think so I can really see where Cersei's coming from to not yeah. want to think about Pacifae's feelings but that's just kind of what they're doing they're not thinking about each other's feelings and Pacifae says a really interesting quote where she says who would I have sent for instead they cannot bear any pain they being like anybody else you know Aetes, Percy, anybody else who she could have sent for they cannot bear any pain at all they are not like us so you hear for a moment that Pasifae really, I think, respects her sister is a bit of a reach, but like realizes that there's nobody else like her yeah. as much as Cersei. Right? I think she mm-hmm. says something like, I, you know, she sees what Cersei goes through, right, through all this time. And like every day she just assumes like that's going to crush her. She's just yeah. going to wither into nothing. She's like, but yet you showed up every day at dad's feet again, right? And yeah. I think- it's funny because many people would see that as like this weakness, right? But she actually saw it for kind of what it was, was the strength of like, she even saw in Cersei's strength. She didn't know, right? That she had the strength to not, after all of the shit that Cersei went through, she still showed up. She still showed up day after day. And like, mm-hmm. I just thought this was such an interesting scene because you hate Pacifae so much. And it's like, it's not like you totally forgive her, but it's like, it's almost like Cersei like, metaphorically kind of gets slapped in the face like oh wow like she did see something in me that I didn't even think like there are all these layers to her and to me and you know just because we have these preconceived notions of each other doesn't mean that like we you know we have the same parents that we do have some of the same hurt we do have some of the same you know we just you don't really see into each other's lives because there was so much like butting against them you know or butting against each other in those ways, which having a sister myself, it's just like I felt this whole scene because I've had those arguments with my sister where it's like, you know, you finally come to realize that there are some things that, you know, you kind of agree on or they surprise you with what they say, even though you still want to like rip their hair out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing with the like I have three younger siblings, so there are four of us and there's a 12 year age gap, you know, so there's between my brother and I, there's six years, and then my next brother and I, there's nine years, and my sister and I, there's 12 years. So we've had many of those moments being like, oh, I didn't realize that you had a totally different experience than I did, you know? And then it's been interesting, too, to kind of morph from the, like, supervisory role that I had, because I was a little older, um, to the, like, sister role in adulthood, and it's it's nice. And, I mean, it's, like, bittersweet. Um, because, you know, I feel a little bit of that guilt whenever there's something, some issue that they have. I'm like, oh, it's partially my fault because I was like kind of a parent to them at some point. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot less than I'm sure I would feel if I were their actual parent. But yeah, it gets yeah. it gets hairy. Yeah. I have a question for you both because 
Um, I felt this way when I first read it, and I still was like, what do you think that Pasiphae meant? Is it her? What's the brother Percy? Or maybe mm-hmm. you were going to talk about this, Kelsey. But I was like, what do you think went down with her and Percy? Because that whole part, like. Oh, yeah. I, I think the like, worst Whoa? thing you're thinking of went down between her and Percy. I. <sighs> yeah. That's the 100% so, feeling that I got. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I wondered that I was like, I don't want to go there. But I was just like, oh, oh whoa. Percy, like, sorry, with the S. Yeah. Percy, I'm just looking yeah. at the quote right now because she says. That's what you I know, thought, too. Yeah, she says, you and Percy's were no different. And then Pasiphae responds, you know nothing of Percy's. Do you know how I had to keep him happy, the things that I had to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the way that it's that it's that it's understood by Cersei from her, because the book is in her point of view. Yeah. I think that's what we get. Yeah, yeah. we get we get that message very loud and clear. I mean, even afterwards, she said, I did not want to hear more. Her face was naked as I had ever seen it. And every Mm -hmm. word sharp as if she had spent years carving it to just that shape. And I mean, it again, it 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 like emphasizes that point that like sometimes you don't know even, you know, you think this person is an abuser, but that person might be being abused as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So you really don't know what everyone's going through, even her own sister. And she had this idea of her and Percy's and it just rips that bandaid off of there and like that rips that mask off of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, <gasps> yeah, was shook myself. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that happened with our chickens. We had three <laughs> and the little one got picked on. And then when we got more chickens, the abused became the abuser. <laughs> Oh, no. She picked yeah. on all the other little chickens because she's like, finally, right. someone weaker than me. <laughs> Get my revenge. She saw an opportunity and she took it. Yeah. <laughs> the pecking yeah. order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really illustrates like the cycle of abuse, right? And how mm-hmm. it can continue and how it can stop. Yeah. And how Cersei stopped and Pacifique continued. Yeah. Yeah. And that it doesn't, it doesn't, how how you were brought up doesn't have to determine how you become you know it can be mm-hmm. it can be different yeah. it can but yeah. it you know it in in Cersei it translated into a deep like self-hatred and a deep lack of self-worth and self-respect she translated it inwards and Pasiphae turns it outwards mm-hmm. you know and won't let any of that pain stay inside she just like a mirror you know deflects it onto others and uses her power for bad basically yeah yeah I love I like I like this book uh, for a lot of reasons but I think it highlights the villains a lot and their kind of origin stories it gives a peek into why these assholes are the assholes that they are (laughs) and I love that because I always tend to feel I don't know I want to say sympathy for the villains but like I just like to understand where they're coming from um and how they got to be the way they are because it's fascinating to me and not that it excuses what they did but it kind of explains it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously everybody has their choices but there are also many other factors like mental illness and um, things like that where it's just like you know people some people are just wired differently some people just make different choices but it's it's so much I feel like it adds so much depth to a character when it's not just like, oh, they're mean, like Maleficent or something, you know, and you see her yeah. backstory and you're like, well, no wonder she was mad. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. too, like to like add on to your point, Gloria, like even though this book's about gods, I feel like it's such a human novel. Like mm-hmm. people, you're right. People aren't just born villains. They become, you know, villains. And just because they're mean or an asshole or abusive there might be actually, they also might be on the other side of the coin, a victim, someone who's hurt and scared and have all these other emotions. And so I love that, you know, Madeline Miller like gives us that in this awesome high octane, like fighting between siblings scene where you start to really see behind that veil of Pasiphae. And it doesn't necessarily, like I said, doesn't mean that you're like all of a sudden siding with her, but you just understand where she's coming from a little bit more and why she's done the things that she did. And that, you know, it's not just because she's a bitch, right? It's like Mm -hmm, there's all these other things you didn't even realize that Cersei didn't even realize. Yeah. 
and didn't really let herself realize until that moment yeah. you know yeah. she had really which i think we're all guilty of i think especially mm. especially with our family where we're like you know aunt so-and-so is just a bitch like well, i don't know what her problem is you know maybe aunt so-and-so <laughs> was beat as a child like we don't yeah. know you know yeah. we don't know and we don't really sometimes at least i know i'm guilty of it you know we don't have the we just don't have that moment of like I wonder if she's okay because all yeah. we've known aunt so-and-so as is a bitch you know and all yeah. she's known Pasife as has been this person who terrorized her from basically birth mm-hmm. along with her whole family and she, as a self-preservation tactic you know she's had to just kind of box that up and be like that's just how my family is but we find out you know that there's more to it just as everyone, I think everyone, no one's born an asshole. Like yeah. things happen and create these things in our in our brain and our well, psyche and our self worth that create these things. I think on the flip side too, you know, there there's a saying that like the happiest, go luckiest, biggest people sometimes are the ones who are also hurting the most too. Yeah. So there are also people who you think are like totally great and kind. And then something bad happens or, you know, you find out that they've been struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts or worse, you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, how did I not see that? How did I not? Like, I think it's a good reminder to everyone that, like, everyone has layers. <laughs> yeah. Everyone like- has a story. And, you know, there's so much going on behind what you see. And sometimes people can't share it or don't feel comfortable sharing it. So sometimes we have to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, which is so easy not to. <laughs> I yeah, know and you from have, my own experience, you know. You have those comedians, you know. It's it's a huge yeah. thing. Comedians and actors and actresses. It's like the um, the sad clown thing where they just yeah. are either they've had to yeah. be like the peacemaker or the entertainer to like distract people from this trauma or just themselves where they're just like, yeah, I got to – make jokes about it because that's how I cope and mm-hmm. I mean I sometimes I do that like yeah you know it's just of you know I've, that's just some people's way of coping I've, I've definitely been called out by my therapist before she's like why why are you laughing at that story you just told me it's really sad <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah. <laughs> like uh like it's I have something I've had to check myself on too because I've like definitely like that's my coping mechanism is just to like laugh at how like absurd and sad and bad things are and it's like that's not really funny <laughs> yeah it's just so, like right. we we use that that meme so much at at my work where like on our team's chats where <laughs> um it's like the kid who where the newscaster is like are you excited for your first day of school and he's like yeah and he's like laughing and then he starts oh, crying <laughs> that and that's just me. like the mood oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that so many times and every time, like it just, my heart breaks. <laughs> poor little boy. And, and so the poor weird. reporter is like, oh my God. She's like, <laughs> oh scarred no. This child. <laughs> oh, sorry, Kelsey, we derailed your. No, your, that's um, okay. I like this, like, uh, you know, talking in between. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes the summary more rich. <laughs> yeah. So they have this argument and, you know, I think it would be reaching again to say that they come to some sort of agreement because they definitely don't. But I think that many truths were shed that I, that I, at least I hope Cersei thinks about later and like maybe we'll see Pasifae again. I don't know, but I hope that she thinks about that later and, and understands or it like you said, it doesn't like excuse what Pasifae did or like forgive what she's done her and Cersei's entire life, you know. But I think that it gives it context in the very least of like what was going on with Pasifae back then was just as horrifying as what was happening to Cersei too, you know. So they they break up this argument. Pasifae basically like throws her out and was like, "I don't want to see you ever again. Get the hell out of here." Um, so she goes back to her room and. Who's waiting in the hall for her? But Daedalus, and the they shadows. get it on. Yeah, it's so okay. exciting. I was so excited. <laughs> I literally, I literally wrote in my book. OMG! <laughs> I'm showing my book right now. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's like, oh, you wanted it so bad, and you're like, do it, mm-hmm. do it, do it. I was so do excited. It. And there's this like few 
few paragraphs of like, <gasps> they're just like staring at each other in the darkened hallway. And he's like, madam, I can go if you want me to. And she's Ooh. like, stay. And they're like, we're going to get it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> not the white cow this time is a brown cow <laughs> yeah no not the white cow white cow's gone <laughs> um you know there's no details of course because Cersei doesn't kiss and tell but there's right. um you know after the deeds are done they're just chatting you know they're they're talking about like their burdens basically and like you know things are not really great for them so they're kind of sharing a little bit of war stories or whatever mm-hmm. a little and- pillow talk Little pillow talk, little, <laughs> little traumatic talking about our PTSD issues on you know post afterglow, right? Yeah. <laughs> talk about well, our traumas. It always gets me hot. Session. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he says um, to her, "I feel the weight of it every moment. All those lives I helped make the creature, the Minotaur, and now I cannot unmake it." You know, and and he asks Cersei very point blank. You know, how do you how do you bear it? Like, how do you how do you live with the idea that things that you have done are responsible for death and destruction and bad things, you know? And she just says very simply, we bear it as best as we can. That's really it. And I liked that quote because yeah, it's like you can only do so much, you know? And I think that she says that because she knows that he needs to hear it, but I don't think that she really follows that very well Mm. sometimes. Yeah. You know, the idea of you do what you can. I don't think that she does what she can sometimes or like she I don't think that she is that graceful with herself or is that kind to herself. It's very easy, I feel like, to dole out advice to people, Mm -hmm. you know, that you care about and be like, you know, you're great. You're awesome. Like, just realize that it'll work out. But then when you're talking about yourself or thinking about yourself, it's like, I'm the fucking worst. Like, (laughs) you know, it's really hard to have that same sort of kindness with yourself. Totally. So. My my hope for Cersei is that she she gets to a point eventually where she can be that forgiving with herself, but where we'll she see. can bear it as best as she can. <laughs> I'm making these muffins can... as best as I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Iranian I'm baking muffins, conflict muffins. Oh god, <laughs> blood. If you know, you know. Pencil, <laughs> paperclip, fish, paperclip. Fish. Fish. <laughs> Fish. I love it. He's like, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> Bits of oh, glass muffin. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> I know it's not the same skit, but Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Fiscal responsibility. <laughs> what are you going to buy? Condams? <laughs> You know that video is like 15 years old or something now, right? Oh, God. Right. The video is old enough to drink. That guy has a kid, like a teenage, no, not a teenage kid, but has like a couple year old kid. I think I saw something on him like recently and he's all grown up. (laughs) So Minos tells uh, Cersei that she'll have to wait to go home because like... (laughs) There's no ships dick. free or anything, so you'll have to wait your turn kind of thing. And she's like, I love that you, part. you fucking would. So she yeah, has to like yeah. chill out on Crete for a while. But that's she's okay because like, she got a data list and they can do their yeah. little secret rendezvous for a few more days. Every <laughs> night. So yeah, they, you know, have their fun times at night on borrowed time. They realize it's on borrowed time. So they take full advantage of the nightfall, baby. Yeah, they do. This is the night. Oh, I was thinking, <laughs> this is the real of the night. <laughs> oh, wow. See, we're on the 90s like wave here. I love it. I, know. I like that we all had like our own theme song running through our head for like their <laughs> their sexy montage. <laughs> I hope they use it in the HBO show. Yeah. Us. Thanks. They're like, she's like, stay. This is our freedom of the night. And there's just like a like a transition of like montage of them like throwing each other against the wall. It's gonna be great. They're all in like different outfits, so it's like kind of how many nights they did it. Yes. There's a full on discotheque in uh, Daedalus's room. (laughs) There's like 
colored lights swirling yeah. around. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, euphoria. you want to have sex? We're just going <laughs> to dance all night. <laughs> euphoria meets Cersei. <laughs> oh, my God. Did anybody think about, like, what it's like to have have sex with a goddess, though? <laughs> Right? I did not hmm. think about that. I was too uh, focused on Daedalus. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did not think about how probably, like, she probably blew his mind. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Good for him. Pun intended. I mean, Kelsey, I'm sure yeah. she was terrible. She He probably hated it. Yeah. I he think she was way worse. Time. She was awful. <laughs> I mean, he was like a goddess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So when it's time to leave, um, she's getting ready to go and Taylor goes to meet her at the pier. It's a very sweet thing. She's like, you're going to get in trouble. He's like, I don't care, babe. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and so Minos gives her eight sheep as a gift for her to take on the boat with her. Um, and so they clamor on. And Thetalus gives her two big crates. Um, and asks, and she asks him to tell Ariadne goodbye because Pasiphae has forbid Ariadne to see Cersei because she obviously could tell that they had a closeness and so God forbid that she have anything nice right so she smelled happiness yeah she smelled happiness (laughs) and squashed that shit smell (laughs) yeah um and Daedalus tells her I know what we owe you and what I owe you and it like makes Cersei really yeah really just like it hits her real hard which of course you know, it would like somebody, this is like the first time somebody has been like, wow, Cersei, like you helped me out. Thanks. And it just, Mm -hmm. it's really foreign to her for someone to recognize that she has tried to help and has succeeded and thanked her for it. And there's like so much that happens with Daedalus that is just wonderful for Cersei to experience. And that's why it's all about to go to shit in about a minute here. So naturally Mm -hmm. it's going to end for poor Cersei. I mean, if it wasn't sad enough, you know, just wait to the last couple paragraphs of this uh, chapter. Yeah. I do have to interject though and say that the last time people thought, thanked her was the, the guys on the ship and, she yelled at them so <laughs> yeah she's true she's growing and better this time <laughs> that's yeah. true that's true and that was with Daedalus so you know yeah. it's a yeah. it's a full pattern we're seeing yeah full circling full cer- Cersei full, full Cersei <laughs> so yeah I hope there's more of this to come I'm I doubt it but you know <laughs> yeah. in my my pessimist glasses are firmly affixed to my face so I doubt this is going to be get any any better you know until the end hopefully Um, But she's on the ship and, you know, they leave and she waits until she's away from the shore to open the crates. And he's given her um, in one crate a bunch of undyed wool, yarn, flax, and then in the other um, a huge, beautiful handmade loom where she can make tapestries. And she's just like, oh, so beautiful, handmade. And, you know, polished cedar, which was my candle choice for this chapter, was polished polished cedar and we're gonna call it daedalus because i can't remember yes. if we called the daedalus before in the other chapter but if not this is daedalus too <laughs> <laughs> no i think because he was greek of the week maybe but for daedalus oh yeah yep. he was greek he's, of the week that's he's right. never been a candle though i don't think no okay this is his candle time this is his this is his moment candle, in time the candle spotlight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the end of the chapter is kind of like a little bit of a flash forward and we hear about kind of like what's happened in in the life of Daedalus and Icarus and we find out, of course, what we know has happened to Icarus is like if you keep up with like pop culture or like, you know, (laughs) you know what happens to Icarus and they've they've fashioned these wings out of wood and they glue feathers to it with wax and they try to make their break for Egypt and they they stand on the cliff and jump off the cliff and the ocean air catches them and they're on their way to Egypt and Icarus is laughing and like hooting and hollering basically and he just gets too close to the sun and the wax melts and the wings fall apart and he crashes into the ocean and you know he passes away and we see that Daedalus makes it but he, of course, he's never the same, and he ends up, you know, dying an old, lonely, withered man, and so sad. Like, what a horrible yeah. ending for an amazing person. And like, you knew it was coming, right? But and I texted you guys when we were reading this, and 
just was like, I don't know why, but it made me feel so sad. I actually choked up a bit, quite a bit yeah. at this end here. And it was just real emotional because, again, he's like the the kindest person, most genuine person we've met so far, like in any of the chapters. And it was really sad to read about their demise even like knowing it was coming it wasn't easy yeah. to read it because it was written so beautifully how it all happened um so yeah you know she has a moment she says that Hermes came and told her about it and because it's, it's like in a flash forward you know this yeah. happened like centuries later or whatever you know um so yeah she hears about it and she says that uh she closes her eyes to find the impression she had made of Daedalus's face like in, in her memory um, I wish then that we had conceived a child together to be of some comfort to him, but that was a young and silly thought, as if children are sacks of grain to be substituted one for another. Mm. But it was, it's of course like a valid thing, I think, to think, to, to wish that you had some kind of connection still so that you had yeah. a reason to reach out. And it made me feel like, well, you could have reached out still. You know, I wish that she had just reached out and, you know. Well, and also, like, I think she meant, like, too, you know, like, oh, if he had another kid, he wouldn't have been so sad and desolate and lonely that he lost his only son. But yeah. I love that. Like, kids aren't sacks of grain. Like, and I think as a parent, too, it's so interesting to me. I will say that. Reading this book, I don't know. I, I've read books since i become a parent, but just something about this book, I just really felt the weight of the difference of reading this. If I had read this, like you know, a couple years ago versus now. And like, I still would have loved it, but there are some places in this book that just stab you in the heart as a parent. And mm -hmm. it's so true. Like, you know, no two kids, like, you know, just having another kid doesn't replace a kid. Right. And every child that people have, it's like this beautiful soul and unique person. Right. And so, you know, I think she also realizes like, you know, him having another kid wouldn't have fixed the sadness that he had. And I just have to read this very last out uh, this very last sentence to just wrap it up because and I, I feel like I read the most quotes out of anybody, but I feel like the text is so beautiful and so it really good. helps to kind of. Yeah, because it's so good and it really helps to kind of spur a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the very last line of this chapter is in a solitary life. There are rare moments when another soul dips near yours. As stars once a year brush the earth, such a constellation he was to me. <laughs> mm. So ah, good, so sad. So, there's so many nuggets, <laughs> and it's so. I know, like, and doesn't it make uh, you think? Like the moment I read that, I thought of people who I've lost, or people who who have died, or people who you know you've have left your life in some way, friends you've lost touch uh -huh. with, or. You know, and just how, what a great uh, description that is of like, yeah, such a constellation he was to me, like how beautiful and bright he was for just a moment before he yeah. left. And oh, man, that hit me right yeah. in my heart. All the feels. And you I, just think of like, do they know what an impact they had? Yeah. Like, did I do a good enough yeah. job or did I did I not realize it until later? Like what a big impact they had and like whether you can or can't say thank you it's yeah. just like mm -hmm. you hope that that somehow they know how much they meant to you yeah it reminded me of like a time in my life where I was kind of going through like a pseudo breakup right like it was before the official thing happened right this person was moving away and I was like crying and they were like don't cry and I was like but it's never going to be the same like mm -hmm. and like there was just this recognition and sadness of me that like this thing was coming to an end. And I mean, deep down it was for the best, you know, but I just remember, I think about that moment a lot of my life and it's not even like the moment of like separating or anything. It was just this knowledge in my life. I was old enough to know like, this isn't going to work out. This isn't going to go anywhere. I'm going to have to let this go, but I'm so sad because it's coming to an end and I know it. Right. And like you think about that, like there are people in your life who just come in for a brief moment and and eventually that becomes this little constellation in your life or, you know, this moment. But, you know, whether it is a family member or a friend, there's plenty of friends I've had like 
where it's not even like anything goes wrong. It's just you lose touch because you move away or they get involved with something else and you're just like, oh, but we had such a good time together. There was these these moments. I totally agree, Kelsey. Like it just is such a good nugget and it's so relatable, I think, to so many people because um, mm-hmm. it's so true. There are, you know, as you get older, there are just more and more of these people in your life where you guys dip together for a moment, but it's not – meant to be forever and there is almost something even more special in that like brief like shooting star of a time you have with someone right rather than like a constant thing you know and um even though constant things are awesome too (laughs) just that there is something like almost melancholic about looking back on those times that you've had with people um in your life yeah it's like that line from wicked where it's something like, I don't remember the exact lyric, but it's like, I don't know if I've been changed for the better, but I've been changed for good. Mm, I love <laughs> that song. It's like they, you know, because they, people affect your lives. And it's weird because they're like a little part of who you are today, good or bad. Um, and so it's just like, sounds so cheap, but like you served your purpose in each other's lives. And then it was just time for you to part ways. And it's like, I'm sure there's a a much nicer way to say that, but, (laughs) you know, like you, you affected each other in the way that you were meant to. And then that was all you were meant to do. So, but it's hard, like when there are other feelings involved. I will say that when I read this, I didn't know the story of Icarus. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah. So I knew the saying, don't fly too close to the sun. I've heard that a million oh, times, yeah. but I didn't know the story behind it. I was just like, oh. I don't know what that means. Like, I just like, oh, don't be careful, right? Don't fly too close to the sun. And so that, like, it was so sad when the first time I read it, I was like, he dies. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> So it was real. It's really something. I don't know how I missed that story. Uh, you know, maybe I missed that day of school or something. <laughs> yeah. I thought about, um, you know, maybe like seven to eight years ago ish. But I would say between like five and seven years ago, I was like not in a good place in terms of mental health. And like I was working somewhere where it was really difficult to like balance my mental health with this place I was working at. And there were folks working there that it was tough to work together with them. Um, at the time it was hard because I was not in a good place. And, you know, I realized that like, you know, it was important for me to get help because I was treating my friends poorly because I was so concerned with my own like hurricane of, of thoughts and my own hurricane of like lack of self-worth and, you know, living in my emo sad bubble all the time that I didn't, I just had no um, space in my brain for really to care about anybody else but myself, you know, and I didn't Mm -hmm. I wasn't being selfish, like knowingly, really. I just did not have the mental capacity to care about anybody but myself at the time. Like I couldn't I was so depressed, so anxious, so worried about myself that like when I finally like tried to get help and like turn my life around as much as, as as best as I could, like nobody's perfect, but you know, (laughs) like I think I've done as much of a 180 as I could to try and be a better person now. And I'm trying to be much more like, because I'm in a better place. I feel like I can be a better friend. I want to be a better person, you know? And as a result, like I want to make sure that I tell everyone all the time, like, you're amazing. Like you're doing great. I love you. Like we have a wonderful friendship. Like, thank you for your support. Yeah. How can I support you? What do you need from me? And like asking people what they need from me and trying to give back the support that I got when I needed it so much, you know, because we never know what people are going through. Like we talked about Mm. with the whole scene Mm -hmm. with pacifay, you know, like sometimes people need someone to be like, well, what do you need? What can I do for you? You know, and I try to like I have a student assistant network and I always end our meetings with like, what do you need from me? And it's funny because one time he told me like no one's ever asked me that before, like in a in a meeting, you know, and I and I say, well, I try to do it. You know, I try to make a point of it because like, yeah, I supervise you. But like that doesn't mean that you need to do everything my bidding, you know, at my right everything at my bidding, you know, like it's you're still a human being. And like, I try to view all my relationships that way as well. Like we're an equal in this, like we're friends and I want to know what I can do for you because I know you would do for me what you can. Right. So 
That's so funny because I, uh, I, I've worked, I've, I've produced some short films with um, one of my friends, Ash Blodgett. Check her out. She's awesome. <laughs> um, but we've done a couple like podcasts talking about our films. I've, we've only done two together. She's done way more than that. But she told me one time that like at one point I had asked her like, what what can I do as a producer to help you out? Like, you know, if you could just write out the list of things that I can do to make your life easier. And she was like, no producer has ever asked me that. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, I, okay. And like, she was like, no, you don't. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but it's just so funny because I'm like, oh, I would figure people would ask you that all the time because like mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I don't want to leave you out in the cold. Um, I want to make sure that I know from you what you need. So I do what you need. Um so that's so true, Kelsey. I think that's a good, like, listeners, it's a good lesson for uh, <laughs> for this week, you know? Call mm-hmm. your loved ones. Call your loved call, ones. Call your mom. She misses you. Uh, <laughs> um, tell people you love them or check in on your friends, you know? Even the mm-hmm. ones that you think are doing fine, ask them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder, you know? Good reminder. From time to time, <laughs> for sure. Well, and I will say, Kelsey, I think you're a fantastic friend. And oh, thanks. <laughs> Seconded. Oh, thank you. The motion passes. <laughs> proceed. We may proceed with the arguments. <laughs> I'm trying to be good. You know, I think that I was an okay friend, and I think that I'm a lot better now. And I think I'm gonna. I again I we bear it as best as we can right (laughs) I know I I am not void of trauma I'm not void of anxiety or depression by any means it's never gonna be fully gone you know and I think that I've only Mm -hmm. been able to figure out how to live with it like an extra limb you know (laughs) and figure out how to deal with it but how to live a healthy life with it yeah and also I think any friend worth their snuff would like, like we all go through stuff and there are times where your friends fall off the side of the earth, whether that's because they've fallen in love with somebody or they're going through something hard and they don't want to talk, right? Um, You know, they need their time, they need their space. And like any friend worth their snuff will understand that too. Like, yeah, you know, like you had to go through what you needed to go through and like you, maybe you felt like you were being a bad friend, but I don't, you know, I never felt that you were. And I think that, you know, I um, I think that anyone seeing what you were going through would, like, understand, like, if you needed that time to yourself, too, to, like, figure that out. Because yeah. we all go through stuff and we all, you know, need that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And we go through it in cycles, too, because it's interesting Mm-hmm. like sometimes people are going through stuff at the same time and they can support each other. And then sometimes someone's going through a really rough time in the friend group or whatever. And everybody's able to, you know, everybody's refreshed and refilled and are able to have that person or give that person the support that is needed. Yeah. Um, so kind of like switch off, <laughs> like going through yeah. our bouts yeah. of, of stuff. And so I think it just works out, you know, like people go through stuff at the same time as you when that's what you need. And then you go through things kind of on your own when everybody else has the energy that they need or that you need from them, if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. I feel like this episode is like really cathartic and like therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, it's just like this is this is our special like therapeutic episode you know go out there be good to yourself give yourself some self-care treat yourself treat yourself um (laughs) i i vote for uh greek of the week to be icarus oh seconded yes (laughs) i agree this is his only week i know (laughs) i really i wasn't expecting him to go that fast i thought he was right you know because he was a couple more chapters right and i i I thought it was so funny too that uh, Cersei was like, I don't really know how to tell the age of human children. It baffles yeah. me. And my sister right? says the same thing. She's like, I don't know. He was like 10 because <laughs> she works with she works with kids. And she's like, I don't know how old any of them are. I don't like, are you in second grade? Oh, you're in preschool. OK. <laughs> you know, when I think of that is like when I'm watching true crime stuff and they're like, he was about six to 200 pounds. And I think, like, if someone asked me, how tall do you think he was? How much do you think he weighed? I would have no idea. Oh, yeah. 
don't get <laughs> don't like a crime committed around me because I will not be a good witness. Worst. I'm witness like, ever. I think it was a man. Like, <laughs> that's about. I would be the worst witness ever. <laughs> yeah. You're like, he was medium to short to tall length. I don't know. Yeah. This I think he had two arms and two legs. Yeah. He had brownish, bluish eyes. Right. They're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Get this lady out of here. Get this lady out of here. Um, I had a couple of other candles. Um, so I had Kelsey's on my list, the cedar one, which was polished cedar, which is great, aka Daedalus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one's a little questionable because it says, uh, he drew me to a table, poured a wine dark as mulberries. And I know it wasn't mm. mulberry wine, but I think mulberry wine would be a good one. Sweet bear wine. Sweet, Sweet bear. That's exactly wine. what I sang in my head. <laughs> mulberry wine. Um, <laughs> there's also salty white cheese, but I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> that candle might be too spicy for your mom, Rose. <laughs> Was that for from the bowl? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when they're having dinner. Uh, yeah, it's they feta. have fruit, feta, and salty white cheese. Yeah, I think it's salty. feta. Mm-hmm. Feta from the bowl. You guys are gross. <laughs> it's bowl milk. Well, speaking of the bowl, I mean the other candle idea that I had was we could call it Minotaur, and it's just old meat. Yeah, and bones, it's like musty old fur meat. and old meat. Musty yeah. meat and bones. Yeah, crack I've bones. Stopped. You gotta get the. Yeah, I've stopped yeah. um, like looking for the candles because Gloria is so good at finding them that I'm like, we're just gonna oh, have yeah. Gloria's candle corner at the end of each episode now. Gloria's, <laughs> Gloria's candle corner, and yeah. it's cool because my name is like glow, so like glow candles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Candles with glow. Marketing. Market. The Add this to our. We'll set marketing. your life aglow. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank we got, you. We got our marketing thank set. You. Let's get this Etsy store going. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried. And uh, call your therapist and uh, set up that time, you know, if you need it, right? Or call your mom. Everyone whatever. needs a little therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> CPOV CertainPOV.com